guess I don't do presentations. You don't do presentations. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I understand. <laughs> presentations are, are gay. Yeah, exactly. Presentations are for gay people. Yeah, exactly. For like, now now like we're a, getting there. Exactly. <laughs> Presentation, presentations PowerPoints are, and all mm -hmm. this crap of like, oh, I hate yeah. It's kind of it's kind of sad that gay has that you can't really say this anymore. Yeah, you can't say it anymore. <laughs> no, because like you know, it's it's reason I, enough. I didn't to... mean it in terms of sexuality. I meant it in terms of like um, the old kind. No, of but gay just insult. means originally means happy, no, or something like that. Yeah, but it used to be a good insult that you could use. Oh, that's gay. You know? Yeah, uh, it's like it means it's like cheesy or, 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 or kitschy or something. Yeah. I because that you know we're venturing already into that topic because I wanted to talk to you um, with you about comedy mm -hmm. and the role of comedy because Norm Macdonald just died. Have you heard that? Oh, I didn't hear that. Yeah, Norm, he's Canadian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he was he he was fantastic. He I, I always loved him. And yeah, he um, was great. He was great. Yeah. And so you know because the ability to make jokes of about something that you can't do like gay. It's like you aren't supposed to say that's gay, but it's like you know, to to yeah. cross that boundary to do some. You're supposed to be very sensitive to everybody. <laughs> yeah, know, all the time you're supposed to walk on eggshells and be. No, because I, I'm actually writing. You know, I you know with with Norm Macdonald that was just coincidentally because I'm writing actually a, a, an article about the the role of comedy right now in our age. Mm. because and so so that I, you know the idea and you know I, I wanted to bring this up because to, to get your take on this because um so in, it's like there's this you know it's it's not the it's comedy is nowadays like a super strange animal because it's not local anymore like in the 80s and 70s and and 90s was confined to you know the comedy cellar you know all these little clubs and theaters Oh yeah, um, it's become uh, international. I mean, there's yeah, now, comics in Middle East and yeah, and now it's 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 a global phenomenon thanks to the internet. And yeah. if you if you look at and so my my angle here is like if you look at cultural uh, eras and epochs and periods like postmodernity, right? Mm -hmm. You can't really separate that from say. Uh, certain groups that emerge and certain new systems that emerge. So you can't really disconnect postmodernity uh, neither with all the psychologists of the Psychological Association in Vienna, you know, mm -hmm. Adler and Freud and Jung and the other 50 guys who yeah. brought like uh, cultural content, uh, you know, like consciousness and psyche into the global awareness, so to speak, or the awareness without, you know, the physis physicists who, you know, went from mecha uh, mechanics into relativity and quantum mm -hmm. theory like 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 Otto Hahn and Einstein and Heisenberg and all those people, uh, yeah. Pauli. And you can't disconnect it from the uh, uh, great literary figures like James Joyce, Hemingway, Ezra Pound in Paris in the, in the, in the 90s, in the 20s in Paris. And yeah. so you, you can't disconnect postmodernity like from those groups of people. And so if you look at where we at now with, you know, this digital age, there's really like one group of people who really uh, profited and emerged from, you know, this diggy modernism, like this post postmodern age, that is comedy, right? Mm. And so, the, you know, and so because 
you know, it's like without the Why internet, would it be comedy? Yeah, why is comedy so big and not, uh, I don't know, um, avant-garde art or, or literature? That's, or, exactly, that's the point. I mean, that's the point. You know, why? Why? And so, you, if you, and so the, the thing that seems so strange to me that in a time where, you know, the cultural polarization is so deep, you know, and, and where hatred grows and there's a cultural canyon of, you know, how to understand yeah. the world. At the same time, you know, there's this group of comedians well, who are able to hijack every attachment to every worldview you could ever have. Yeah. And that's yeah. such a weird phenomenon. And it's also, it's, it's a shadow phenomenon because it's like the more pure people try to be, you know, ideologically. Right. You know, the more that this pressure builds and we have to express our dirty, dark, you know, uh, uh, you know, this part of our, our, our person, which, which comedians can do. Right. Yeah. I mean, we, we, normally most of us can't go there. Like we can't express that. Yeah. But we all have that in, in us. Right. Um, and it's it, the comedian is able to ex express the, uh, the shadow of, of human humanity. Um And the shadow gets deeper, and, and the more the more platonic and pure, and pe people think they're they're they're, they're being, uh, the more you need to have this comedy as a pressure, as a, as a, exactly to, yes mm -hmm. to get rid of this this pressure that builds up with yeah with with the intense uh, political correctness. I think yeah, I mean I mean like from from the archetype here, um, from the archetype that that was what the comedian or the trickster always did. You yeah, know. always. But yeah. but now it's like this weird thing that it's not only global, it's a global phenomenon. But you know, it's like it's a global village. We were talking about McLuhan. I mean, uh, yeah, moving, yeah. It's the, the this, uh, you know, it's this instantaneous. So I guess the archetypes belong to everybody now in a sense. Yeah, but what I mean is like you have this cultural polarization. Let's say left, mm -hmm. right, vaccination, yes, no. Uh, yeah. uh, identity politics, yes, no, trans, hetero, everything, every shade of fucking gray. Yeah. And independently of your personal stance, you can find any, uh, uh, you can find certainly a comic that hijacks your own attachments. Yeah. And that is super weird, you know, because it's not just about to laugh about the attachments of other people or the taboos of other people. It's what happens if it comes we need to, to your be challenged. We need to, our purity needs to be challenged. We need yeah. to be challenged. Like I remember Camille Paglia saying in her book, Sexual Persona, that she, she was her, her goal of writing that book was to offend everybody. Right. It's like there was something in that book that would offend everybody. You know, right. it was this great book where she would say provocative statements and some of them were dead on and beautiful and others was like, what the hell is she saying? You know, yeah. <laughs> but, but, but it was this whole, uh, it was this, and she learned from comedy, actually. She learned from Lenny Bruce and yeah. her comedy scene and, and, and the pro pro provocation is very important. Right. Um, even if it's not, you know, even if the, what the person, even if the provocation is not about truth, like, is this true or not? Um, you, you need to push people's buttons a little bit. Otherwise they, they just fall asleep. Right. I mean, exactly. they, just become, they just become autonomous. They become mechanical. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So we need provocation and we need to look into our, um, you know, our, the, you know, we have our sort of image of ourselves. Uh, we have this kind of front, you know, left brain image of, of who we are and it's very clean. Uh -huh. And then there's the, the other side of our brain, which is the reptile brain. <laughs> it's like, 
it has all kinds of drives and wills and, and contradictions and and um, and it's it's not it's it's beyond good and evil to, to quote Nietzsche and so yeah. so 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 there's something about looking at that which is necessary right yeah so the thesis for like, for like general sanity basically I mean if the, McLuhan also says in that book which I just read as well we both read this book he says that if you don't have games or comedy in a culture the culture is is in, in danger it's a dangerous right it's not in it's not in a good state if, if there's no comedians or there's no games or there's 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 no fooling around and just sort of sort yes. of random experimentation and, and playfulness yeah you know the the the, the thesis i'm kind of working on in, in this paper and this article is you know that it's you know because we we have like this you know this debate on 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 cultural stages and if, if stages of development are kind of real or if, if they're not. And we had, we talked, you know, and, you mm -hmm. know, about this. And, you know, I think like if you have like a meta-modern or like a post-post-modern uh, source code or, or algorithm, it, you know, it has nothing to do with stages because like to look at stages is always like a retrospective act thing that you do do after the fact and not before uh, you do something, you know, it's, it's like the, the original post postmodern source code has to be something else than to think in stages. There has to be like an original, say, performatory move that is different than just the, the, the cynical negation of, you know, of postmodernity of what came before. And so like this move, this feeling, something affirmative, something optimistic and you know when you look at comedy it's like it's super performatory you know it's like it, it has this this you know i i don't i i don't want to say that every comedian is post postmodern you know but there are i i think in my in my in my in my feeling let's say there's this feeling that there's a thing that there are some comedians that that actually access that kind of algorithm or source code after postmodernity, because they're so performatory and so playful and so optimist and so global, you know, in their in their way to hijack our own perceptions, that that it's quite interesting. Would you call them optimistic? I, that, that I wouldn't. I wouldn't call comedians optimistic particularly. But well, maybe that's the defining. And so well, there's. I, I like. I'm. I'm. I'm following what you're saying, but. I, there's a way in which comedy kind of is missing something to me. It's like on a level of vision, it's like, or maybe it's perfect as being what it is, but like, what is missing? like I don't know, like when Lenny Bruce was doing comedy, he, he was, he it was, there was a radical political element to it. Um, and today it seems like comedy almost has become sort of just like, well, where, where's that? Where's that? Where's that element? Where's, is it just, is it just, entertainment or um i don't know it's a good question i mean like you can't compare lenny bruce to you know anything because he was like when when was it in the 60s that was like a yeah. fairly critical time in the united states you know? yeah well I, I i don't know and and, and so should so comedians have something to say and maybe what's good about them is they don't have anything to say i don't know but what do they have to say yeah <laughs> What I okay, so what I thought about is like okay, so do you take a, a show like Saturday Night Live, right? Yeah. And so they had like this ten year era in the you know 
just recently with people like now they're yeah with Kristen Wiig and Jason Sudeikis and Bill Hader and people like that and you know their their humor was completely performatory or absurdist in a kind of way it was like highly enjoyable because it was just set up to make us laugh and to question our own uh you know presuppositions and then the Trump years happened oh yeah and the show uh, so the, these people. Well, you had the away. Daily Show and the Colbert no, no, Report. No, no, just and it let, was me, all let me finish. Ideology, so, wasn't it? Like, it was yeah, and like so a... and so, and hmm. then the show got completely political. Yeah. You know? So they what they tried to do was to nudge people into voting the next uh, Democrat into office, and what happened that the show lost every humor, and so it's hmm. like it, yeah, it was only right, it, yeah. it was it was like overt political humor without any real punchline and so so i don't think like comedy has to be political no i don't either you know, I, I don't think it should be or you know necessarily i i'm just i'm just wondering what you know we talked about it how it, it helps diffuse the political correctness right and, and it does that but uh but um yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm asking it to be something that it's not. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be any. Just it doesn't have to be anything but pure comedy. Um, it's complicated, you know. So I mean, like every, I think every comic who challenge challenges this taboo in a kind of way does his job very well. Yes, you it know? has to challenge taboo for it to be and so somewhat you... interesting. Like, uh huh. So, so I don't know, the Colbert Report and the Daily Show in America, all these kind of shows became very boring because yes. they were just they were just ideological. Right. They weren't even that funny. They were they were they were they were they were a, a circle jerk or they were a bubble or they were. Right. So 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 it, 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 the humor was lost. So there's this joke, like, for example, when, when, what's that guy who, who came in? And it is funny when people are really over the top offensive. Exactly. That's and what I'm. They should at. be over that. Like, what's her name? Sarah Silverman. In the beginning of her career, she was, she was pushing boundaries until she became a kind of woke person. I thought, but you know, until she did, she she developed an ideology. So, right. So yeah, I, I think comedy should be very anti. I mean, you, you know, the most offensive joke uh, of the internet. It's it's told. It's it's that it's that name, and so it's it's done by Gilbert Gottfried. You know him. And no. so it's it's about it's about a talent agency, and so the, the family comes in, you know, all blonde and blue eyes and well built and healthy, and and so and so the talent agent says, okay, so what what are your talents, you know? And so the father strips down, and you know, and then the mother strips down, and so they start to fuck, right? Mm-hmm. And then the the boy, the son strips down, and the daughter strips down, and they start to fuck. Mm-hmm. Right. And then the father starts to fuck the daughter while the boy fucking his mother. Right. Yeah, and yeah. so the, the dog chimes in and the father's licking the asshole of the dog. Yeah. Why? And so that, that's a joke that goes on and on and on. Yeah, about, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you see where I'm going. A very talented but, family. And so it's a very talented family. Yeah. And so because it's like, Okay, so that's that's offensive, right? Why it's funny? I mean, if it's funny, it just has to be funny. No, no, I but mean, that's the point. You know, who's going to be offended? Why would people be offended? I mean, why why get offended? God, no, because it's it's offending 
when you're imagining the father fisting the daughter. Yeah, yeah, sure, of course. You know? Mm-hmm. So, but the joke is to... But it's a joke, so... Yeah, it's, but uh, it's a joke is to uh, make it so absurd, you know, that you just have to laugh about it, you know? Yeah, and so, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. so, and so yeah. I think, like, good comedy does that, you know, in a nutshell. Well, I, I, I remember this Lenny Bruce joke where it's like where he sort of said, you know, we're in New York City and there's all these different cultures and races together. It's just so wonderful how diverse we are. There's, you know, there's Jews and there's Arabs and there's Muslims and there's, you know, there's um, there's Turks and there's Italians and there's Irish. And, you know, it's awesome. All of us being here together. Think about what we could do. We could do so much. We could really change the world. We could all get together and kill the Greeks. You know, right? You laugh because it's funny. It's a funny joke, right? And it, and it breaks down this sort of political correctness. Mm. Um, you know, this this wish wishy washy sort of ideal ideological thinking, which sort of makes us inhuman or something. Yeah, and yeah, Norm Macdonald was famous for that in his time in Saturday Night Live when he was like, you know crashing boundaries of what could be said at that time you know i think it was like beginning of the 90s i think when he was there for a couple of years you know yeah yeah i mean i i wish i had followed comedy more than i did but you don't know because it's like again it's uh coming back to to the thing to to the original idea so i mean you know i'm i'm or you are now not say say like this like in the 80s we only would have had you know, access to comedy by means of like a VHS tape, or we we had to go to a club in New York. Yeah, and or we, people bought LPs or something. Yes, or, exactly. Or, or, but now yeah. you and I uh, are equally equipped to uh, review the new Netflix special by Bill Burr like anybody else, because it's a global yeah. phenomenon, you know, yeah. you know, you know, looking at all the YouTube clips and internet podcasts and, and what is a global phenomenon. And so comedy is, has really transformed with, you know, you know, with attentionalism and, you know, the, the rise of the internet, as Bart would say. And it's really the only uh, uh, social system that, you know, did a leap of, uh, you know, did, did such a big leap. I mean, like porn was instrumental in instigating it but porn you know it's like porn is still the butt of the joke if you thought think about like stormy daniels and the trump affair you know they're Mm -hmm. still they're still not you know they're they're not part of the cultural life but comedy is right right you you know and so comedy is like the the you don't discuss your porn habits at a a, a polite dinner table you know yeah but but you can talk about the new comedies yeah and 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 in this internet age comedy provides uh, you know a kind of social glue that transcends cultural polarization and that's that's what i mean you know so like because we can't look we can't look you know in the in the post-modernity it was like art you was looking for you know and the transformation and painting and literature and all of this and you could distinctly see how these art forms transformed and were elevated by this new kind of thought, right? Yeah. And but that really does not happen with with literature, right? Now, I mean, you have like Foster Wallace, and you have the occasional uh, new 
types of literature. Well, is, is, is this again a McLuhan thing where we're, we're moving past the age of the individual, uh, you know, where you have, and we're moving more into, into just, you know, all, all of the good writers on Netflix are sort of part of a corporate team or something. And right. you, know, you don't know who they are. I mean, uh, you know, I was watching this TV show Billions and the script is brilliant. There's, there's yeah. incredible lines in that show. It's, it's, it's a nasty little show. And I, yeah. I like the shows that are really nasty. I, I don't know. Like yeah, them. yeah, yeah. I like the show. Anyway, because, they're, because they reveal something about the darkness of, of, of human nature. Right. Uh, anyway, I thought, wow, these guys can write, but who, who are they? We don't, they're, not, they're, not, they're not novelists um, or anything like that. They're just working in, in, in uh, I don't know, just, yeah, but that is my point exactly. So, because so, the people so the individual doesn't exist anymore. No, it's but, the, it's all no, but, the, but the point I'm making here is that you can identify those people and there are the comedians because yeah, they are the right. writers. They're the last individuals. Well, that's interesting. They're the last individual. So they're the, the last individual is a clown. Right. That's an interesting thing, huh? Right. It, it shows how it sh it's like the end of the evolution of the individual as the comedian because he's a clown. Right. That's radical. Yeah, because Hollywood stars are products. Yeah. Yeah, you there know? are no Hollywood stars, you know, anymore. I mean, there are, but they're not, you know, I don't know. They're not like they were in like the 30s and 40s where they were really powerful. They're just sort of products, as you say. They don't have any individuality. I mean, you still have Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise. and But who Matt cares Damon about and... them? I mean, come on. I mean, who, nobody cares about them who has any intelligence. Brad Pitt, you know. No, but but they're still like, like Maybe uh, I'm being Hollywood snobby, stars from the old here. cloth. You know, but they're not, they're still products. Uh huh, I guess. You so. know, but you know, uh, comedians are not products. You but know? the original people are always the, like of, of a movement, like the original Hollywood movie stars, uh, you know, are, 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 or they were, they're totally different. Like, where is Bridget Bardot? I don't know who, you know, nobody's like that anymore. Right. People are just imitations of Bridget Bardot. Scarlett exactly. Johansson is just an imitation of Bridget Bardot. Yes. She's not Bridget Bardot. Bridget Bardot was an archetype. You know, right. Scarlett Johansson is another Bridget Bardot, but a watered down version. So the more movies, the more the you further away you get from the archetype, the more watered down the version of. of so so I, I, in movies, for me, movies is sort of dead. I mean, there's a few good ones, but I mean, there's just exactly. A, but that's my point, because by the same metric, the comedians are, are uh, the more thriving, the more authentic and creative they are. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. because you can't be a copy of somebody and do comedy mm -hmm. yeah you mm -hmm. have to you have to you know that's be, very interesting yeah. you, have you have to, to be, be in fully original yeah or you have no to good. be in contact with you know the zeitgeist and you have to be a total freak i mean uh you know the best comedians are are, are just you know total freaks right they're, right they're just they're just so they are unique they're not like other comedians right nobody all, all the good comedians are so unlike each other that they're they're just you know um so there is like a real individuality in comedian comedy. right i think that's a, an amazing thought to me that the comedy might be the end of individuality or the last in you know the last yeah even and so and so you in, know in entertainment anyway mm -hmm. yes and so you know i because i'm always mentioning uh, it you know because i i'm i'm deeply uh, into you know this comedy podcast which is called come town now because yeah. it's like from this you know they're like called the, the brooklyn socialists co connected with chapel trap house and all of this and so the, the i you know the thing is that the main guy you know the the 
man guy, he regularly goes into some kind of trance states. And sure. he calls them fugue states, you know? And so, yeah. so that's like, it's, it's like a chatty podcast, which is like basically like chaos, you know, just like three guys chatting bullshit. But then out of this chaos, um, you know, these kinds of comedy bits emerge spontaneously because that guy basically goes into some form of trance. And then he ha he's like a master impressionist. And so he talks as Michael Douglas or John Hamm or as Trump or Obama or whatever. Right. And then he creates like on the spot these, you know, complete offensive um, comedy bits, it's just, uh, which is just amazing, you know? And so he goes on for 10 minutes. And, and so it's, it's just- So, so he inhabits other, other people, or, uh, that's how he does his comedy? Yeah, but he, he exactly, but he, he uh, uh, is super offensive in that way. So he mm -hmm. plays like a gay Mexican Trump, you know? And so goes into that character and he talks about, you know, you know, fucking his daughter, whatever. It's like, it's all, all of that is super offensive. Yeah. You know, or, or he does some ethnic vo ethnic voices and makes fun of African people or Chinese people. And so you can't really do this in mainstream media, but because it's... Oh, that's it's, interesting too. It's, well, it's, it's a funny thing, right? We talk about cancel culture, right? Yeah. We're living in this age of cancel culture where you have to be careful about what everything you say. Yeah. And then there's these guys that are that are completely free to do what they're doing. Yeah. In another realm. So and earning a, more than hundred thousand dollars a month. So so whereas if somebody's in, in, in official mainstream culture, they could just say something on Twitter and lose their job and their <laughs> whereas these guys are thriving and they're they're thousands of times more offensive than whatever offhand unconscious comment somebody might yeah, say because you can't really make joke about african people uh selling sandals you know and so it's like okay so it's like yeah. it's super offensive but again they're earning more than hundred thousand dollars a month that's like top top tier patreon podcast and so you have to see that there's some form of cultural relevance there yeah yeah and you know i guess i guess nobody's been able to take them down yet um, and I, I hope that nobody does, but you know. Um, and so as that's long as, as long as they exist, then the culture is okay. As long as we can laugh at ourselves. And so that's it's so interesting, and I don't I don't want to push it that far, but it's like it's such an interesting case study of the you know of the value and the mechanisms of comedy. If you just look at the fringes of the internet, it's like a Patreon podcast, you know, and and look like what they're doing, not. Uh, uh, confined by mainstream media of cancel culture, you know. So, yeah. and, but and there is no, there is no center, and there is no fringe anymore. Right, right. So maybe the fringe is the center, and the center is the fringe. So these guys are relevant. So they're the center, even yeah. though they appear to be on the fringe, right? Whereas you know whatever is happening in mainstream media appears to be the center, just in a formal sense, but right. It's completely, it's completely uh, irrelevant. It's, it's way out there in the edges of the universe. That's know? a super interesting thought. Yes. So, mm -hmm. so there, so, 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 yeah. I think that there's this inversion of center. And, and, and either there is no center or there is no fringe. Right. Um, or the center and the fringe are inversed. Right. Super interesting thought. Yes. Yeah. And so there's another dimension to this. It's not only this, but you know, there's. At, at the center, as you say, or the fringe, or where, wherever you locate it. So there are like different things 
happening at the same time, like creativity, uh, community, uh, trance, novelty, yeah. uh, breaking of taboo, and all these things that, you know, make that are life, alive, right? That yeah, are that alive. are alive in a yeah. kind of way, mm. because, because comedy at, you know, at the mainstream is super, it's, 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 it's super calculating now, you know, yeah. with the, okay, let's nudge people. And so what can you say? But if you look at, if, if you look at those comedians that are like, like and Norm MacDonald actually was somebody because who, who was at, at, at the same time in the, you know, in the mainstream as he, as he was at the yeah. fringes. Yeah. That's more rare, isn't it? Somebody it's, who can inhabit both those. Yeah, yeah exactly. Makes me think of Picasso, right? Exactly. Or somebody like that who was who was able to do radical stuff, but also also be a, a sort of celebrity at the same time. But it is, um, it, and I and I don't want to glorify it. But if you look at it psychologically, what these guys at this podca podcast are doing, it's like you can't really separate psychology and and comedy and, in a so, sort of sense, trance and spirituality from the performatory act, because the whole podcast just lives of that guy going into trance and doing these kind of things mm -hmm. spontaneously and creating something new on the spot it's not like he is going into office and writes a joke like Mitch Hedberg did in the 70s or 80s no he, yeah. he, he does it on the spot you know and so that is so interesting like the mechanism the performatory yeah. mechanism that well and also it's it's the idea of uh you know Again, I, I have McLuhan in the brain. I'm sorry, but McLuhan no talks about the end of work. There's no more work. I like it's like people just work at home. Right. Like the idea of work is, is is not like you go as you say you go to an office and you, you they used to have factories for songwriters where you go to the office and do the thing, but it, it's actually you just your life, right? Right. <laughs> you know, so these guys are just in their in their you know apartments in Brooklyn, you know, having fooling around, and that's their, that's that's their livelihood right that's very interesting as well as like okay can we can we break down the boundaries between our life and our work exactly mm -hmm. uh-huh and that's you know not everybody can do that because there's still boring jobs that people have to do but but um but it seems like you know what we're doing or what somebody else is it's, it's not it's not exactly work because it's there might be a, there might be a, a laborish aspect to certain things like writing an essay, but it's not work because we're just doing it out of uh, because it's because we're inspired by that particular we're in that particular trance as you could say or, or yeah, exactly yeah you know, we're in we're in that trance to write an essay or you know somebody a comedian would be in that trance to access um, you know all of these these characters or I mean the the point is yeah yeah the point is. He has some sort of uh, psychological impairment. He, I think he's in the half. He's on the autism spectrum or something. Of because course. like yeah, when he when he's invited to other podcasts, he he has like a very distinct and precise manner of speaking. Mm -hmm. But then you you hear him in this podcast, and then at some point he starts to slow words. You know, yeah. so he you know it's like and then he he starts to go into this trance. It's it's psychologically speaking, it's super interesting what happens there. You know? Sure. I mean, there's always been people like that, haven't there? There's always been sort, yeah, yeah. Of, sort of people who go into these crazy, ecstatic, or wild states and bring out bits of information. <laughs> you know, you know, and it's like when we have—I mean, I don't want to compare us, but when you know, it's like it's so when we when we have a good rapport, you know, and a good episode, like a good talk, like yeah. you know, it's like that's so rewarding for the for me at least for the day. It's like okay, I did 
I did my work in a kind of way. And yeah. The, and the other stuff, it just, you know, falls aside. It's like, that's not that. Yeah, important. because I remember working in an office and I think about 10% of my attention was on the job. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's just yeah. like, okay, you're doing your job and you're thinking about something else and you just do these mechanical things. Whereas if we're talking right now, we're, we're, we're talking with the logos, right? We're, right. We're, we're communicating with each other and new information is coming and new insights. And, and, and so we're, 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 you know, we're, we're alive, right? We're on, we're on, we're on fire with, with, the next thing that could happen or the next insight or the next, and it, it, it's a state of attention. It's a state of real attention. Yeah. Well, I mean, and like also the, it's, a, it's interesting because it's, it's, it's two people talking. It's not one person giving a monologue. Again, it's the end of individuality. Yes. Which I've been thinking about is it's this uh, distributed cognition uh, to use uh, John, John Rebecki's term. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, going back to McLuhan, it's like hot and cold media. It's like podcasting mm -hmm. these, these things, Uh, and comedy they're like kind of hot you know and so it's like it's it's immersive it's 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 new that you oh, have to fill yeah. in the you have to fill in the blanks and 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 it's like well when, that would be cold media when you have to fill in the blanks well yeah that's yeah. true cold media is participatory yeah you, yeah that's you, true inverse this cold media is like there's not there's no special effects going on here right right uh, you know somebody is we're talking and, and it's like it's 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 low low budget no special effects just a conversation it's very no but it's high that's in, in information media. density that's what I want to say it's high in information uh -huh, density uh -huh, uh -huh. which would be hot wouldn't it uh, hot well he says like radio is hot because you know it it it, it can it can it can turn all of Germany into a cult <laughs> you know <laughs> radio right right. Uh, Because uh, that's, hot, like that's hot media, but, but, and, and movies is hot media too because it's totally immersive. You're not thinking, right? You're not participating in hot exactly. Media. Hot media but, just overwhelms you. But and television you, is cold. Television say. used to be cold. Yeah, it's not anymore. It's it's it's, it's just as hot as movies. But it, it, when television no, but came out, it was just a bunch was... of awkward people talking and kind of weird. There was no. It was the end of movie stars, like he said. Like there were no more movie stars when television came in. It was just ordinary people, like stupid sitcoms, and 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 so you would have to participate in it because it was so awkward, <laughs> in a way. No, but but yeah, you know, I get that. But you know, let's go into this because he said um, uh, in this book that television is cold because you can do other things at the side, right? Whereas when you are in the, in the, in the movie, in the movie theater, in it, yeah. um, you're completely immersed. Yeah. And so let's, let's take this as a, as, a, as a schema, like for podcasting and comedy, because if it's with logos, you know, you can't really do anything else. You, you know, you're just, you're just there. Yes, yeah. But if it's, if, it's, if, if it's a bland conversation, That happens yeah. sometimes if, if it's nothing new or something novel. you put on in the background, like people put on TV in the background yeah. sometimes. Or so the then, then it gets cold, you know. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Um, so but then it's interesting because you have like the podcast like from Bill Burr, and so he, you know, it's like, uh, you know, he, he he amplifies, you know, this, and he's a good example of, you know, to create also these kinds of bits, you know, that mm -hmm. I like. Immensely funny, and then he just rambles about anything, you know, and you can just listen to yeah. it at the side. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I, I, the central, I think, intuition of, of is, is just how the technology, as you say, how the technology, uh, the, how the medium affects everything, right? Right. So, how you, how you, so, so 
you know, you, you know the feeling if you watch too much Netflix, it's like, why am I, you're so absorbed in it. It's just all this hot media. You just have to fucking turn it off and read a book or, or go and meditate. Right. You need to cool down your attention. Right. <laughs> you know, so we, we have to have this sort of ecosystem of, of hot and cold. Uh, yeah. Um, in terms yeah. of, in terms of how we absorb and how we think about uh, media. Yeah, but again, it's like com coming back. It's like with 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 uh, you know, Alan Kirby, digi modernism, like that. What emerges with the internet, you know, and with these new technologies and with these new ages. I don't I don't actually know what Alexander Bart thinks of digi modernism because on one on one side, you know, he should, I think he would embrace it, but on the other side, it, it reintroduces the idea of stages or whatever. I don't but, know that you'd have to explain that to me. I I don't know about that. No, it's just a, a, it's just a, another theory after postmodernism, but more like mm -hmm. centered on the appearance of the internet and the digital era. And mm -hmm. so, but if you look at again, like if you look at comedy and and podcasting, you know, it enables you know to go into these you know hot uh, uh, you know phases of of logos, you know, and to create something that is enriching everybody. And so I think like com comedy does that. And and good podcasting does that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's it's. I, I think the question of becoming possessed is very interesting. Right. Uh, and and uh, and 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 how how you can put yourself in certain environments, and that that and then become possessed by something, and that that would that, that and then you know, there's a shamanistic element to it. Exactly. That's the point. Yes. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So, I mean, comedy has a shamanistic sort of quality. Exactly. In, in a way, it's like becoming the the fool or the, the inhabiting all all inhabiting all of the um, craziness and noise of the culture, and then going into all that craziness and noise, and then bringing out some some sort of insight, <laughs> which which sort of deflates the, the the ego or the collective ego of the society. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, the the way you know uh, the the Comtown guy just goes into shamanic trends and deconstructs Biden and Trump and you know makes it funny to laugh about I don't know the big tits of AOC or whatever. It's just hilarious how <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah the, all those things you can't say, right? I mean, right. That you the think wild, about the violent going into your mind and like, oh no, I can't say that. I'm not gonna. You know, I noticed that, but I I noticed I noticed the tits of AOC, but I I, I would never discuss that. In, you know, <laughs> right? Like, no, but why? While in character, that's the point. You have you to know? be in character, yeah, yeah. And yeah. so the character allows you to um, to to escape the social norms mm. and to go outside of the social norms, which is what the jester did to the king, right? Right. He, just, he could tell what was going on in the kingdom by. By by going outside the social norms and saying things that nobody else could say, right? Dangerous business because you get your head cut off sometimes. But yeah, but they are like they they are like or they and 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 other comedy podcasts. They are you know at those fringes or the center wherever you want to locate it. It's like they're kind of impervious to a critique. You know, it's, yeah. it's they're like it's I don't know. It it shows that the system is somewhat healthy. Yeah, you know? well, that, yeah, sure, that's a positive. And also, they're masters of their thing, right? Right, they're kings of their little kingdom, so so they don't give a shit. 
Yeah, but it's again, it's, it's they have global reach in that time of absolute cultural polarization. And they have global and, reach. That's and, so and, and, I, and I think that's... It's too that's, bad people in North Korea can't hear them or, or, you know, that might just collapse the entire regime. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, well, okay, global is, is maybe not that right because it's like the Western hemisphere, right? But it's like, sure. you know, that... No, I mean, probably people who speak English in Japan would have access to them. Or, right. No? Right. Or, or something like that. I mean... Yeah. But again, as a cultural phenomenon, that if you look at society as a as one system, you yeah. know, at least our Western society, and and then you have you have like this deep, deep cultural polarization. At the same time, you have the remedy, and you have mm -hmm. to you have to look at it that way, you know, because it's mm -hmm. it's the remedy because it's like the remedy is art. I mean. Exactly. Yes. The remedy, humor is one aspect, and the, exactly. the, remedy, is, the remedy is art. But uh, I, I think McLuhan grasped that. I think he thought the total environment had to become art. Right. You know. Uh, yeah, but movies I, are not art anymore. Your life. Movies are not art anymore. No. And so there are not no usually. Movie. Occasionally they are. And but. and there's no influence that big influence that you know painting has nowadays yeah. for yeah, us. So occasionally television verges on art but yeah there's there's a problem there you know and so yeah, like but... that 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 leaves that leaves comedy and so that's i think it's an interesting comedy might of... be the only free art left yeah mm. that hasn't been completely uh, co-opted by by ideology and corporatism i, I yeah. don't know it could be that right what, what other no podcasting as well and and you know um you know other things in fact i probably probably everything else you do outside of that is art, right? I mean, what we're doing in a way, it's like verging to, we're not, I'm not saying we're doing art, but I mean, the aim of that is, is, is an artistic environment or of some kind where creativity can happen. Right. Um, and that's what happens outside of <laughs> all of the individualistic uh, 20th century institutions of the Guttenberg of the Gutenberg era, you know, with which is which is all about fragmentation and uh, individuality and siloed uh, behaviors, which is very powerful and yeah. <laughs> you know caused the West to take over the world. But but then we move into the electric age and, and simultane, simultaneity. Um, uh, so something different is is is, is going on, right? And so, like, there's like this one super interesting thing. I think Bill Burr said that. So, because he had like this this special, uh, and and this, so he, he had like a world tour, and he came to Europe and went. I don't know, even to Slovakia or wherever. And you know, like, and the the he said the astonishing thing was that the audience was kind of the same as in America, because like, if if you are like in Denmark or wherever, and you go through a Bill Burr. Event, you are equally informed uh, or because of the internet on his comedy as any guy in the United States, and so the the audience is equally well informed because of the internet. Yeah, well, so, when McLuhan wrote his book in '68, he was saying that America is becoming Europeanized, right? America's they're getting into cuisine and they're getting into all these European behaviors, and they're becoming more like inside types of people rather than downtown outside people. And, and whereas, whereas, and and, and uh, Americans are and Euro Europeans are becoming Americanized, right? Right. And I think that process is complete. I, I think people are the Oh, there is a cultural quality. I mean, I don't know. I think I don't know if there's anything such thing. I live in France, 
um, what's left of, 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 of the individuality of French culture. It seems everybody is being nourished by the same stuff, mostly. Right. I mean, yeah, like, right, right. Even if it's even if it's French, it's 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 Americanized or globalized or. From a certain angle, it doesn't really so make. So even a ten years and, ago, and ten years ago, you could really identify this is French, you know, behaviors. Yeah. <laughs> it's very different than Italian behaviors, and right. you know, um, and you can still differentiate. But the differentiation, the the the, the border, like the, we were talking about, the center and the periphery is kind of gone. There's just like this, you know. Yeah. You know, I, I was I was teaching students who were who in, you know a few years ago who were watching Jordan Peterson videos and reading Carl Jung and right. in in French lycée. It's like what's going right. on here? It's like they have this alternative universe, but has nothing to do with what they're supposed to study in lycée. It's like the lycée is just this packaged thing right. that they have to do to get their degree. Whereas they whereas they have this other culture, <laughs> right. Like, That's why I, I think that Ivan Illich was right about de-schooling society. That we're in this de-schooling process, right? Right. Where media has become the school of everything. Um, yeah. At the same time, it's like I'm, I'm I'm gratefully looking to France because they're the only ones who still protest, you know, the vaccine passport, and you know, it's like it's like. It's like the uh, you know the cradle of of democracy, and they still have some resistance in them left, as far as I see it. Yeah, but it's but it, yeah, I don't know how long that's going to last for the next generation. You know, mm. I no, was talking to I was talking to a cab this, driver. I was in hmm? a taxi cab, and the guy was complaining about Uber. You know, and he he was right. I mean, Uber is like destroying the taxi industry there and 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 they and anybody can drive an uber and so so even ex-cons can drive an uber and he's saying oh it's dangerous and da, 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 and they have no blah 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 and, and uh and yet you know his taxi smelled of cigarettes and, and you know whereas you get right. an uber and the guys are trying really hard to please you all the time and, and he's he's got little plugs for your phone and yeah so, so he it was just that's and you know but he's you know in a way this taxi guy was right he's being He's becoming a dinosaur. He's becoming exploited. He has no chance against this globalist system. Getting phased out. He's getting phased. He's getting phased out. But you know, there's he. He was still fighting for his right for for his thing, and he's and um, I don't know what you know, which I guess that's admirable in a sense. I mean, are there French comedians you know of? There's good French comedians. You can talk to my wife. She she knows them all. I, I, oh, really? I, I, I forget their names and stuff. Yeah, there's a, comedy is pretty big in France as well. Yeah, mm. and and it's it's pretty good. Um, but you're 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 uh, inspiring me, Tom, to to go look at more comedy because I I have to admit that I I I I I'm not a it's not a, I'm not a follower of comedy as you are. So I need right. to get more into it probably. Mm. No, no, I. I don't know. Comedy works. French people are are pretty funny. I mean, they they laugh at themselves, unlike Americans. You know, Americans right. take themselves extremely seriously, but French people are always laughing at themselves. Mm. If I can make that generalization. Yeah, well, the, the the problem just is that they're probably in French, you know, and so uh, right, because so nobody gets it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah French, I guess French culture, like. I remember Noam Chomsky saying, oh, yeah, these postmodernist guys, they don't know what's going on in the rest of the world, right? Uh, right. Uh, they have their own weird language about things. And to a certain extent, that's true uh, still. And, and there's still this odd French exception. They call it the French exception. Right. 
Um, but again, I think those, all those boundaries are collapsing. Mm. When I teach mm. at Science Po, the kids are just like any, any kids anywhere in the Western world. It, it could be. I mean, because the information is the, 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 the same movies, is, the same is, music, the, the same, same Starbucks, the same whatever. The same, edu- you know, the same, the same, uh, yeah, the same inf- information, the same media. Right. As you say, media, and as McLuhan says, when TV and radio came, media, education happens outside the classroom. So they're learning. Most of what they learn is, is like not in the classroom. But even when they're in the classroom, they sit there with their laptops. Right. Absor- you know, if they, they want to tune out from what the professor is saying and the teacher is saying, they just, you know, they just have to, you know, just to go and on the right. internet. So. Mm. All right. So yeah, so I'm teaching this class, you know, tonight about about media, about about the class, and I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna talk about all, all these subjects. Uh, nice. Mm-hmm. How many people are coming? There's been 17 members, and then all the other people are, are who are already part of this manifesto oh, well, will, mm-hmm. will come as, will come as well. So there'll be a good crowd there. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, I think we hope. Mm-hmm. But uh, but the uh, yeah the, the alternative education alternative education is is where it's at it's it's really like making education out of your life you know and what you're doing and and you know do do, do you agree with that sure or, yeah sure yeah now you know that, you know maybe maybe we can tie this in you know to 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 end this this episode but you comedy know, is education yeah no be, yeah exactly exactly because um there's one aspect in comedy which is like uh you know how, you know which is basically concerned with morals and ethics you know how to how do you behave what is the proper behavior i mean like all the what what are bits about men and women in relationship you know different than okay don't take yourself too seriously or how do you deal with women how do you deal with men how do you deal with in this and that situation so this is, these are basically educational or, or moral questions sure you know and so you have well and also by exposing the shadow of, of you know the of, 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 then you learn how, how to act don't you right if you can see what is what is grotesque what is twisted what is dark what is wrong what is what is you know unconscious what is inadvertent what is fucked up then oh then then you 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 can if you can notice that then you have more of a chance to yeah but that means that it just that that it's not just about you know transgressing or uh transgressing or or highlighting taboos but you know to to educate how to deal with certain situations you know it's like and to to find a proper way to align yourself in the world you sure, know, with, uh, with and which people. means you don't you don't become over earnest or over rigid in how you see things, and you're 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 more fluid and you're more expressive and you're more forgiving of other people for their faults. And right. uh, you know, the, the comedy can can teach us that probably, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah, I don't. I mean, I mean, there are shades, and different comedians have different approaches. But I, I think like the educational moral aspect is. It's always kind of there, you know, so you, you don't take yourself too seriously, you know, or you learn to take some things seriously, you know, so. Or you, you notice yourself taking yourself too seriously and, and you laugh at yourself a bit and, and that liberates you from 
um, you know, that, that also makes you like other people. Yeah. I mean, like I'm, you're, you're I'm not, think- you're no longer isolated in your bubble. I'm thinking of, about of, this famous, of, of famous neurosis. Bit. You're, you're, you're one with the neurosis of the human race, so to speak, so to speak. I'm thinking about this famous, famous bit from Bill Burr where he talks about Arnold Schwarzenegger and like, like another great man who was, who has been taken down because of some digression, you know, some, something. And then he has like this whole, he goes into the life story of Arnold, like, you know, you know, being a, you know, a brute in Austria and then becoming the world's greatest, uh, you know, bodybuilder and then becoming the world's going to America, learning a new language, becoming the greatest movie star, you know, then marrying a Kennedy, which everybody said that's impossible, then became governor You know, yeah. and so then he turns it around and says, okay, like imagining you, me going to Switzerland, learning a new language, <laughs> become the world's greatest tennis player, become movie star, royalty, may, may, um, marry into royalty and becoming head of state. And so then the, the punchline is, no, I'm struggling with, you know, Rosetta Stone already, you know? And so it's like, and so he puts it all into perspective what that means, you know, to be a great man. And to to be t- being taken down by the mob, you know, and so you know that bit. It's quite funny, and mm. and so it's 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 educational in sort of sense what that means, you know, and, and what kind of world we're living in. Mm. Cool, yeah, interesting. And it it makes me feel much more compassionate towards um uh, towards Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> than he did before you told me this story. <laughs> I mean, just, yeah, but, but he has a point, you know? Yeah, yeah, sure he does. Yeah, I'm kidding. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> oh, man, yeah. I, yeah I, that's, I, that's the thing, isn't it, though? It's like we judge people, mm-hmm. <laughs> right, all the time, right? Yeah. So, and who are we? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? um, I think my favorite Bill Burbitt is when he talks about book, book publishing because that's, that's my thing. You know? <laughs> okay, okay. And so he talks about, you know, the perfect ruse. And so he would write, he would write a book, maybe you know this joke, he would write a book about, you know, with the title women are always right. You know, yeah. and so he on the cover, it would be him, you know, with a with a, you know, with a sweater and like having this position. And this book would always be like, oh, men are do, doing this wrong and are worse than that. And women are always right, you know, and so the whole book would just cater to women. You know, yeah. and so he, in our age, you know, that would bring him a shitload of money, right? Yeah. And then he would spend it, of course, on drugs and horse, you know, and, and the, so he would make a next book where, where on the cover it's just him fucking horse. And, the, and it was like Cato and only to men, like with the title, Women are Bitches. <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. And so he would earn another another shit out of money yeah. um you know i think that's fucking hilarious and somebody should do that <laughs> right yeah somebody should do that yeah just 